Welcome to the Enneagram Storybook. I'm Kim. And I'm Caroline. Together we'll be exploring good stories and the human condition through the lens of the Enneagram. friends, and welcome to the first chapter of the Enneagram Storybook. Today, we're taking a look at the Disney animated classic, Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, we chose Beauty and the Beast because it's Darnell, and I would say this is just our general, our general opinion that Belle is the quintessential four. Yeah, yeah. And then we had to go, we're like, yeah, so what about every other character? And like 30 minutes later, we were like, this would be so fun to do. And so we just decided, what the heck, we're going to do it. So here we go. Thanks for listening. Yeah. So we have, so before we started the film, because we love this movie and we know it, we made a list of the main characters and each one of us individually came up with the top, what number we would type that character as. So with this movie, we know this movie pretty well. So we were comfortable enough to do that initial type of these characters but I don't think we're going to be able to do that every time no probably not but that's okay but I think Beauty and the Beast is so universal it is um and I'm not exactly sure what total formats and platforms that this might lead to but I would just say if you disagree with us and you're a student of the Enneagram you've done a little bit of the work as Suzanne Stabile the godmother of the Enneagram would say, then we would love to hear your feedback. Comment down like, below. Prove us wrong. Yeah. We want to know because we're we're winging it here. Yeah. But uh, and and there may be something that that we miss. So are you ready to dive in? Let's dive. Oh, in. I am. I am. Okay. okay. I think obviously we have to start with Bell. Uh huh. So I type Bell as a four. What about you, Mom? I would agree with that. Um, I would, and I was a literature teacher for about two decades. Hmm. So I love, I love stories. I love good literature. I love art uh, and the expression of that. And I, and I will say, you know, we're, and, and this is, I don't, I don't know where all of you listening are in your knowledge of the Enneagram and every really good solid Enneagram teacher that I've heard says you should, you should not base a type a personality on behavior. Yes. Because the Enneagram, we all have similar behaviors. Right. Um, the Enneagram is based on your motivation. Right. And so that's really why you shouldn't type someone else. You really, you have to be internal. You have to know who you are to know what motivates you. So, you know, take, again, this is entertainment. It's, it's fun. fun. <laughs> but the, the great thing about movies and good literature is that they are based on human behavior and especially movies and our stories where you have dialogue because the characters say things that will reveal the motivation for what they do. So I thought that was especially true in listening to watching this movie when we did and listening to the songs that the characters right sing. i mean I, I i watched there was a podcast that was done or a, a not a podcast a live stream and ben platt who's one of my favorites personally um 
was on the live stream and he said that the reason why he loves musical theater the most out of all of the acting is because you peer into a character's soul whenever they're singing. Mm -hmm. And in musical theater, which, I mean, Beauty and the Beast was the original. It was the first Broadway musical that I ever saw. Exactly. The opening song, everybody picture it in your mind. Bill comes out of the And she, and, and some of this, the words I wrote down, every day is the same as the one before. I wrote that down too. So she, you know, right off the bat, she is longing for something different. Yeah. From something that is just ordinary, which from my knowledge is one of the trademark um, aspects of an Enneagram 4. And then she, I'm just going to write down my initial things for Belle here and then we can kind of, you can tell me and then we'll go. That, you know, so the, her only way to escape the ordinary is through the stories that she reads. I wrote that down too. Um, and so, and as that, as that opening number keeps going through and she's walking through the village, what's being said about her is as important in understanding who she is and her personality type as what she says herself. And so everybody says that she is, um, she's different. She's strange. And she's intentionally different. That's what I would say. I mean, she, you know, she's like, she's herself intentionally, almost in a way that's condescending, looking down upon everybody, the, the, the ho-hum doldrum of, oh, just the ordinary, and I want to stand out. I want to make myself different. She has no desire to fit in, which is interesting, too, because if you even look at, and I don't want to get too much into even the animation, but everything, everything creates what we understand of character development. So it's right. not just the character themselves. I mean, in a book, in a book, which we would also love to do books. We love yeah. books too. Um, but there is oftentimes a description of the surroundings yes. of the character and that plays into how that character's feeling at the time a lot of a lot of times. Yeah. So yeah, all those details are important. But all the other women, especially those that um, that the that when you're watching the movie are brought into the focus of the of this um, of the screen, I guess you would say. The three, the three maidens who always mm -hmm. are swimming over Gaston. They look the exact they, same. They're, they're, the only difference in them is the color of their outfit. I noticed that too for the first time. And she's completely different from that. She's dressed differently. She looks different. So she is intentionally, she, she has no desire to fit, um, to fit in. When she sits in front of the fountain and she's got the book open and, um, you can sing it. Oh, isn't this amazing? I'll let her sing. She's actually the performer. <laughs> oh, isn't this amazing? It's my favorite part because you see, here's where she meets Prince, Prince Charming. Charming. Yeah. So I wrote down, she's in love with the ideal, the romance, I, I wrote the that mystery, too. which is so characteristic of a four. Um, and then the last thing I have just in the opening was um, she's nothing like um oh what is said about her one of the characters it's the baker or whatever says she's nothing like the rest of us yeah so it completely sets her apart 
And I, I do want to say this thing. I'm going to jump. I'm going to jump to a little broad thing because I just had this epiphany <laughs> right before we came in here to to sit and record this because you and I had thought through initially when we first started thinking about this. Is I wonder if every Disney princess is a four. Right. I have come to the conclusion that no, they're not. But what makes Belle a four? What's different about Belle than let's just say Disney princesses, if we look at, at them as a, as a character type, mm -hmm. is that her conflict, what her imprisonment in the beginning of the book is internal. Uh, yeah. It's not external. Mm -hmm. Like Cinderella. Cinderella is longing for something different, but it's because external forces have kept her where she is. Belle could be very happy in this town. I mean, she if says, she chose to be. She says that the town is dull and that the town is whatever. But essentially, if you look at what's happening around, this town is a well-oiled machine. It's a thriving town. And it's not good enough. Yeah. I mean, look, we'll talk about Gaston in a minute. But she's already caught the eye of the bachelor. Right. Right? Like, the bachelor. He's ready to give her the rose. And she's <laughs> like... I don't want that. Right. I don't want. I don't want any of that. Right. None of it's good enough. But but she has placed that on herself. Like this will never satisfy me. Okay. Now you want me to talk talk yeah, about talk it. about talk about her and I'll add Well, um, yeah, I see a lot of similarities because I am the same type as Belle. I'm a four with a with a with a. A significantly large five wing um, and I think what that five wing brings in just to talk to something that you said was it's not a condescending I would say it less is like a condescending and more that it's that five tendency to be a little bit more cynical about life so it's not that Oh, you people are so humdrum. It really has nothing to do with the other people. It has to do with your own feeling about your life, you know? So, yes, it gets projected onto other people, I think, but... It just colors it. So your her own discontent colors what she thinks about everybody else. Yes, I don't think she actually thinks that these other people are bad or annoying or something like that. So She's never going to measure up to what she desires because I think something else that sets her apart is that her expectations for life are extraordinary and this is skipping ahead past the opening scene but the only thing that makes her appreciate her own life is when she steps into an enchanted castle she has these enchanted extraordinary expectations for life that are not being met by this small French town. That is so good. I never thought of that before. That when she goes there, she actually steps into the fantasy that have been in her books. Yes, exactly. That have been the world of make-believe for her. Exactly. And now it becomes reality, and she begins to appreciate what she had. Exactly. Oh, that's good. So, I think fours, a lot of times, are trying to avoid disappointment in any way. And because they withdraw I think that keeps them from taking a lot of risks in life yeah okay one other thing kind of in the opening part of it before and we'll move on to we'll other characters to other characters but um is that when Belle so after the opening number 
and she escapes from Gaston's first intentions, and she goes home, and we see her with her father first, and she says this, there's no one I can really talk to. I just <laughs> don't fit in here. You looked at me whenever she said that. Oh, my gosh. How many times did you – well, everybody, Caroline is a sophomore in college. Yeah. And I cannot tell you how many times she has called me in the last two years. Yeah. Just in, in a world of people, and Caroline's never been a wallflower. It's not like Caroline doesn't have friends. Hey, if you're listening yeah. to this and you're one of my friends, hey. <laughs> but she's just like, I, I'm all alone. Yeah. And I and I keep saying, how are you alone when you have all these people? But then I finally, this year, it's taken me this whole day, I finally ha- have understood that just like Belle, who is there amongst all these people, and she's, I, I have to believe it. You know, she's she's the prettiest girl in town that's said about her other than Gaston. She's beautiful on the outside. There's nobody in that town who would not embrace her. So there's certainly people around her, but she does, but the connection, you know, fours want to be deeply and deeply known. And if there are not those really rooted, deep, 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 deep relationships, then they feel as if they're they're alone. As if those relationships are non-existent. Yes, yeah. And so all your life, not all your life, but certainly in your in the last few years of you know, you going into being a teenager, I have said to you as a four, you've got to lower your expectations of other people, of the depth of of relationship that people will take you to. Right. Because it's going to be rare in your life that you find people who want to dive as deeply as you want to. And I think, by the way, I'm a three, wing four. (laughs) And I do think that it's my wing four that has allowed me to dive emotionally with you at times. Right. I had to get over my threeness in wanting to Stop your emotions that right. to me were extreme and set those apart and let now let's move on. That's the three wants me to do, but I do believe that it's my four wing when I lean into that, that, that makes me appreciate and stay with you right to the, to the depth sometimes that, <laughs> that you want to go. Right. And that's hard. Cause even me, I'm like, is this conversation over yet? <laughs> so I just thought that was when she's, so, anyway, that's why when she said that, I looked over you and was like, you could have written that line. Yeah. Okay, so our next character, who do you want to do next? The Beast? Yeah, let's do The Beast. I mean, he's really not all that interesting until you get to midway through the story. Oh, first, let's tell them what we what, oh, what our initial type was. He's, he's an eight, and I didn't do wings, but he's an eight. And I, I, I think that The Beast goes from a pretty significant seven wing to a pretty significant nine wing from when we first see him and the the story that's told about him about um, rejecting the witch because of her outward appearance and then going to when he makes the transformation at the end back into his true self. So, yeah, that's okay. why I took okay. that's why I took wings into account, especially when it came to the beast. I, well, I think that's true. I, I do think that's true, but but I, I 
I guess what I'm saying is not all that interesting. He's very interesting, especially if you want to see where he leans into those wings, wings especially that nine wing, because it's what so it's what such a big contrast. But I think obviously, if you know anything about the Enneagram and you know anything about eights, <laughs> is that eights channel all emotion into anger, physical anger. Yes, and so if. And so what I wrote initially about the beast is all emotions are expressed in anger, like all emotions. He's just angry. But it didn't take long when Belle gets there and he lets Maurice go and lets her stay. And then as that whole scene where he's going to invite her to dinner and Lumiere and um, Cogsworth are trying to... Uh, Get him to be more gentle, be kind, do this, you know, because it all rides on her falling in love with him. They know if their lives are, you know, are ever going to go back to normal, then this is maybe their one and only chance. And so it's, and it's this tug. What I said is the underlying tenderness. Yeah. When he realizes that he overreacts. Right. Um, but it's so hard for him to say he's sorry. And there's a realization a realization um, and I definitely have noticed it with your brother that when he his first response is that anger just that aggression and then I think comes blame yes and then he can get to I'm sorry correct but rarely is it ever vocalized in yes. words but it's always shown in action yes it's shown in a and, and most of the time I think when when he does that, because eights move to five, right, in stress. Yeah. And so there's, with him, what I've noticed, there's a explosion of anger and then a withdrawal. I think he knows that the way he looks is just an outward representation of who he is inside. Yes. And so he's ashamed of it. He can't control. Everyone keeps telling him, you have to control your temper. But he, it's hard for him to. Well, and he's ashamed. And here's another thing that I think resonates with an eight that I just thought of that I never thought of before. <laughs> is that the shame comes from the fact that he's the reason that they're all in this. And, you know, he was the prince, but he's the natural born leader. He is the leader still of this kingdom, of this community. And eights are too. Eights are natural born leaders. And he, however, has been unable to lead them out of this yes and he realizes that they have all suffered because of his actions yes and I think that's the shame and so the way that he looks is a reminder mm -hmm. of the misery that he has caused everyone right um I, I never thought that before but uh, but I do and I and I've seen that also in you know the, 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 the apes that that I know and that I, I live with is that when they when their mistakes affect others? Oh, they it's have, worse. They, they have a really hard time bearing the burden of of that responsibility, and they oftentimes want to very much make up for it. You know, whereas eights are can be extremely aggressive and harsh and abrasive, they are also some of the most generous people. I have a brother who's an eight. And I say it was oftentimes a Jekyll and Hyde, though. Yeah. Um, because in one moment he would be so aggressive and so 
harsh and I won't say cruel, but just angry. And that anger, it just, I mean, it was like you, you just got the brunt of it. And once he had had time to sift through that and sink through that and evaluate what he had done, he would come back and be so generous, overly generous. Um, and, and often, again, not with words, but with actions, what he would do for you, what he wanted to give to you. Um, and in that way, it was to make right what he had made, what he knew he was responsible for, for doing wrong. So uh, right. it was interesting to see that, that in that, that the beast really kind of does this because when he, when he and Belle begin to, well, when they have their, um, their big blow up and she leaves, you know, gets on the horse and rides away and then the wolves attack and he comes and he's actually, um, uh, you know, he fights off the wolves, um, and protects her. I thought, Oh, that's, that's the great part of an eight too, though, the champion and the protector, um, even for someone who he has treated horribly and harshly the whole entire time up to that. Right. And then after that, when she helps to bring him back and takes care of him, he is like overly generous with her. He's willing to give her any and everything he has. Yes. So we are getting a little... We've been recording for a while. Um, okay. Well, let's move on to the last of the main characters, and then uh, we'll guest on. He's yeah. The next one to be developed, uh, and then we'll we'll dig into a little bit more of um, relationships, and then what we think we can learn and apply to human nature uh, for self improvement. That's right. Um, so, guest on. Now, when I first, I was like, "Is he a three or is he a seven? And I have a question mark. That was me too. I said, "Is he was is he a seven wing eight? Or is he a three wing two? Okay, so I'm going to let you take the lead on this, and then I'm going to follow up because I think he's absolutely a three. I'm a three. And so I'm going to tell you why. Okay, so I – there was a couple things. I didn't land on too solid of a conclusion on this, but the threes in my life are much more difficult to convince that – what they think about themselves isn't true than the sevens are. I feel like I can kind of hype up the sevens in my life easier than I can hype up the threes because I think threes are much harder on themselves than sevens are because sevens are more delusional, not in a bad way, just in their, they're the eternal optimist. They live in sort of a dream world with rose colored glasses. And so I think it's, easier to convince them that they're doing okay than it is to convince a three that they're doing okay. I don't know. So that's just something that I thought. What are your thoughts, Mom? Well, I agree that in the beginning, so in the opening scene when we see Gaston, that there is that narcissistic, look at me, I'm perfect, that that is more characteristic, I think, of a seven most of the time. Although, you know that I have said this as a three, that so many times when I hear descriptions of a three or even parodies of a three, that 
it's the appearance. It's always the appearance. It's got to look this way. We got to look that way. I got to have the name brand. I have to do the, the whatever. And I have said, I don't really resonate with that. However, there is a sense of whatever you, for three, whatever you have, whatever your baseline image that you're trying to obtain or maintain, whatever that is. I think had I grown up in a different family unit, hmm. if I had grown up in a different environment yeah. that really placed a lot of value on that external appearance, I would create for myself whatever it is I had to do to gain whatever I, I deemed was, value, was valuable. Even though you know, I grew up very near to Dallas proper itself, but it was in the suburbs, and it just wasn't. Uh, an emphasis in my circles was not placed on having the best of everything and always looking you know, a certain way. But I would say, having spent the last 30 years of my life living in this environment, that I have been sucked into that as well. And, and you, you know that I even have this internal battle. I'm going to be 51 in a few weeks. And I'm noticing the normal effects of aging. And there's plenty of people around me who are using all kinds of cosmetic enhancements and Botox and all that kind of stuff. Which, if done tastefully, yes, can I'm not, be... Right. I'm not... I'm, I'm, I am not... Um, I'm in no way talking down about that. If that's what people want to do, that's fine. But I have had an internal struggle myself. Right. Over, should I do that or should I not? Because there's a part of me... That knows. That doesn't... That, that thinks I, I need to, I need to look like everybody else does. If that's the standard, I've got to meet it. Right. But then there's a part of me because of my upbringing, I think too, that says, but, but that was never valued before. So do I have to, do I not? It's that part of a three that doesn't really know who I am without having the validation of the external. So as my external has changed, I have a conflict of which way do I go? Right. Because as a three, I'm that chameleon that's going to fit, what do they call it? Shape shift? Yeah. Shape shift to, to make sure that I'm acceptable in whatever I have myself, I, I think, placed as the standard for being acceptable. So let's get back to Gaston, because if just understanding that, when he says to Belle, it, it kind of in the beginning, hey, Belle, come Take a look at my trophies. I was like, oh, that is <laughs> yeah. a three statement. That is, you know, threes, we live for our trophies because they are the external evidence of where we have succeeded. You see, I set the goal and I succeeded. And so a three wants their trophies to be shown. And then, but then there was a kind of back and forth again. Okay, well, he does this. So um, I said, okay, there is this delusional confidence in him. Which I thought led to an, that eight wing. I know, and I did too. I said because he prepares, so I'm just going to kind of read through my thought process here. Mm -hmm. He prepares the wedding before he even goes and proposes. Yes. But I said, or is that that he believes in his, prof his process? 
in his mm. and as a three he's gonna be really efficient. Yeah. So if I believe there's no way she can turn me down, let's just go ahead and let's go ahead and have the wedding ready. That's very much a three process. Yeah. That's a I, I could I was like, well of course yes. Um and then he he fails um at his goal. She rejects him. But what that does is it doesn't defeat him. Right. It kicks him into high gear of, it's a goal I've set, and by golly, I'm not going to fail. Right. And he goes into that, what I would say, very unhealthy part of a driven three. It's the three that says, I will succeed, and it doesn't matter what I have to take out. Deny, look over, because this is the goal that I have set. This is why threes have a propensity to be workaholics. Right. And I think if you look in in terms of looking at Gaston as getting Belle to marry him is his work. Right. And so it it doesn't matter. what He immediately goes into, okay, so what's the next strategy? Mm-hmm. Well, let's kidnap the father and because then she will. Um, and a three will maintain what they have always been rewarded for. And I know that, you know, if I'm, if I'm good at this, then I'm going to keep on doing this because this has given me success. So is Gaston all about himself because that's most important for him? Or is this the area where he has succeeded Hmm. and therefore everything he's doing is to maintain that self-promotion yes is what he's succeeded at and so he's going to continue doing what it is that he's good at that's very true very true um i said he's he's too determined and focused to be a seven (laughs) that's true in many ways because sevens you know i mean your dad's a seven and i've told him this you know there's there's such visionaries but a seven at the end of the day won't compromise truth a three at the end of the day will compromise through truth in order to succeed. Yeah. And if Gaston were really a seven, he, at the end, the very end of it, of the movie, he wouldn't have um, told the beast. Oh, Oh, don't kill me. Don't kill me. I'll, I'll, you know what? He never would have told him that he'd have just gone down. If he really had been a seven. But he's willing to shape shift because he knows he's got to get out of that situation mm-hmm. so that he can come back and attack him again. So anyway, that's that's why I think that that Gaston is a three, not a seven. Yes. And we've got a lot of background noises yeah. going on here. If you can hear those, sorry about it, but we're not professional podcasters we're yet. Not. So we're sitting in the room and somebody's mowing the lawn. <laughs> Um, so, okay. So now we're going to transition a little bit and just take a look at two, um, relationships. Cause what, what can we see? Our, our, our two main characters, our hero, our hero and our heroine, a four and an eight. So if you look at them in relationship, what draws a four and an eight together? I say being a four and having eights in my life. I think I'll speak to this and then you can say, thing you had to say but i think fours and eights two things draw them together that is passion and they also value authenticity over 
almost anything else. And I think that is so true of fours that we don't mind when people are angry. I think people have a propensity to apologize for being angry or being sad or whatever. But a four says, I'd rather you actually be angry if you're angry than just, you know, fake it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what the beast has never experienced that somebody could just know him and love him for just who he is. Right. And and you said that, you know, when they're um, sitting at the table and eating and she uses her spoon and he's like, got his face all in it. And then he tries to use the spoon and that's hard. And so she picks up the bowl and they both find a way to come toward each other. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Which is true in any relationship that you have. You have to be willing to compromise um, most of the time um, to, to find a way to meet each other in the middle. If we go to this, I was really paying attention to the songs. So when, when Belle and the Beast have the, have the good relationship, when their relationship finally is beginning to be one that is a healthy relationship, it's when Mrs. Potts begins to sing. She's that whole interlude. And she says this, she sings ever just the same. And I thought, okay, Mm. for both a four and an eight, that genuine self, you're always just yourself. That's very attractive. Ever a surprise. But there's always something unique and special around the corner if you're looking for it. That, to me, that kind of, why do they, what's good about that, okay, is that there are those elements of each other that's, that's going to be, for the eight, the genuine self of the four. It's very attractive. For the four, the fact that an eight will, will strike four. You know, and an eight, because of just what we said at the beginning, that there's such extreme sides to them. Yes. There's always a surprise Mm -hmm. that that you wouldn't think, oh my gosh, well, they did that. I wouldn't have expected that from them. But this I thought was interesting. So a four, it takes a lot of energy for a four to fight because they're within the withdrawing stance. An eight has to be held back from fright, from fighting because they're in the aggressive stance. Mm-hmm. And I wrote this down. I said we see as we see this as the pattern until the end, when the beast gives up and Bell comes back to fight for him. Yes. And I thought that was a beautiful reversal. Mm-hmm. And it is that self sacrifice. It's the weakness that takes on strength when it has to. Right. Um, and I think that's a great transition into what this is really about. Obviously, these are flat characters, and we're not meaning to in any way make fun of or minimalize the true tool that the Enneagram is right. for people. This is just a fun way in which to take characters, dive a little bit into it, but ultimately, it's to elevate this tool. Right. Because we're going to bring it back around to real flesh and blood, right? You know, um, ourselves. So while this is fun, and while there's part of it that is imaginary, uh, because these are fictional characters, right? We, we, this is to be entertaining, but in the end, we want to bring it back around to really, as as we do with all good art and all good literature, what is the human condition 
that we right. can learn from to really to say that that was valuable. Yeah. Well, I I do think so too. You know, when I taught literature for all those years, I would tell my students, you have a a real gift in that you get to watch successes and mistakes of other of other characters. And yes, even though these people aren't real, they're based on the same emotions of real people. The reason that we go back to stories that are written well is because the characters act in ways that we act. It is the human condition and people have patterns. And, uh, there's always outliers to things, but we can see humanity. And so to be able to watch somebody else make a mistake that you can learn from without having to walk through that yourself or see somebody succeed and have um, that that goal of nobility that you might see. Right. And to realize that I could do that too. That, right. You know, a, a hero is a hero because they set a standard and the best heroes are the ones who are also very human. Yes. Uh, in their makeup. So we hope you've enjoyed this. Um, start following us. Tell other people about us. If you know people who just love Disney or they love not all, of, not not every movie and everything that we're going to do is Disney, but we'd love for them to listen to this. If you do know other Beauty and the Beast fans, literature fans, Enneagram fans, um, tell them to follow us. And also you can look back on our first podcast that we did um, and see all of the different Enneagram tests and websites and things that we have linked. But we're actually going to put them in the show notes. Okay, yes, we'll put them in these show notes, but they're also going to be in the show notes from the last episode. So this is your first listen, and you just want to get to know more about us. Uh, We've told a little bit of our story and um, just a little bit of a deeper dive into who we are and why we started this um, in our last episode. So give that a listen. Um, Give us a rating on whatever app you're listening to and subscribe. Join us next time, and remember, in the words of Anthony DeMillo, the shortest distance between a human being and the truth is a story. Mm-hmm.